Hi everyone, my name is Yaslamin Asadi, and uh, today I'm going to talk about designing for a post-lockdown metaverse. I'm a PhD student at QUT, and I also work as a UI UX designer at Desvik. I'm so happy to be here today. The work that I'm going to share with you today began in 2020 when I uh, started my master's at QUT. At the time, I really wanted to know how we can improve social technology so I could keep in touch with my own grandmother, Izil. <clears throat> In the beginning, I was looking for a way to stay connected without just using our gadgets. Because I felt like the text-based uh, messaging, it doesn't really communicate the energy that goes on, around, goes on between two people. I find phone calls to be very intriguing. I don't like them. And video calls don't really give you a sense of being truly present with someone else. When the COVID-19 become pandemic, uh, people all around the world face some kind of restrictions. In Australia, older adults were advised to stay at home and avoid traveling or leaving their houses, basically, aside from essential trips. As a result, a lot of technologies were emerging to keep in contact with everybody else, uh, one of them being Zoom. These restrictions highlighted the need to research how older adults were adjusting their life to the circumstances of the pandemic and if their technological needs were changing. Of course, there is also a lot of other types of connections that can happen. You can do a little bit of tap on your smartwatch and then you can send a vibration to someone else. You can pl uh, play an online game with somebody. You can invite them to come play with you, something that you love. But with many people living away from their loved ones in different time zones, you really need to invest in asynchronous kind of social technologies. So you can keep in touch with people even when they are not online at the time that you want them to be. The metaverse is coming to blur the boundaries between the physical and the digital world. Think about it as the internet, but 3D and immersive. It will give us all kinds of new opportunities to stay connected to others. Um, for example, there is a lot of um, concerts being held in, other, in different virtual worlds, like Ariana Grande or Travis Scott have already held concerts. You can go watch them, they're fun. Other uh, well-known types of virtual worlds are Second, Second Life, Fortnite, World of Warcraft, or Minecraft. Also to clarify, a virtual world is a community that is built and maintained digitally. To achieve the state of the metaverse that we aspire to go, which is blurring the boundaries between the virtual and the physical world, we need to go through three phases of digitalization. The first, phase, uh, the first phase is called a digital model. Um, a digital model is a virtual representation of a physical entity. So here, the physical and the digital world, they don't really communicate with each other. The second phase is called a digital shadow. A digital shadow is a virtual representation of a physical entity which is impacted by the physical entity. So there is no impact coming from the virtual world to the physical world, but there is all sorts of impact coming from physical to the virtual. And finally, the third one is called the digital twin. This is what uh, a dynamic virtual representation would look like. So physical and the digital world will impact each other. Uh, by going through each phase of digitalization, we will necessarily have more opportunities to engage with other people. Uh, for example, uh, right now we have avatars. We can communicate through our avatars in the virtual worlds and a lot of research is going on around about how to enhance the physical image and the body language of avatars. So just the conversation flows more naturally. 
Another type of uh, keeping in touch with other people in the virtual world is holograms. So there, uh, in Sydney Jewish Museum, there's a um, exhibition called Reverberations, A Future of Memory, where three Holocaust survivors have sat down and they have answered 1,100 questions. So now you can go and discuss with them uh, their experience and just talk to them within their holograms. So back to the original question, we wanted to see how we can improve the user experience of connections over distance. How do older adults use technologies during the pandemic and the lockdown, um, the lockdown time? And also we want to see how technology could help them to adjust their lives to the circumstances of the pandemic. To answer these questions, I conducted three rounds of semi-structured interviews with 13 older adults who were residing in Australia at the time. The first round was conducted between May to June of 2020. At the time, all states in Australia were under a form of lockdown. This uh, round of interview, I really wanted to know how was their life before and after the pandemic, if their life has changed, and if their technological needs have changed as well. The second round was conducted during August of 2020. Uh, this time, a lot of the states in Australia were on their roadmap to come out of the lockdown. So um, I wanted to see if the novelty effect played uh, a role in how they were adjusting their technological needs. And the third round finally was in October 2021 with all Melbourne participants in particular, because Melbourne has the world record of longest days in lockdown. So I really wanted to know how they have been living their life during the lockdown and if technology was actually helping them. The theme of the slowness was generated after the three steps of the thematic analysis process. So I want to clarify the definition of slowness in this research as well. It refers to how the participants sense the passage of time or how they have more time to uh, curate their own activities or take control of their lives. Slowing was experienced differently from one person to the next. Uh, when pandemic happened, uh, the, a lot of uh, activities outside of people's houses were canceled or moved online. So this freed up a lot of activities and gave participants a lot of free time to just slow down their life and think about what's going to happen. I would like to acknowledge the fact that not everybody enjoyed lockdown or not everybody felt like they were slowing down time. But uh, the results that I'm sharing with you today about life is slowing down, it was also repeated in a lot of other countries with different cohorts of people as well. So for example, nurses in Singapore were reporting that despite having a very high stress job during those years, they were still feeling like the time is passing is slower. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we began this study to understand how people's technological needs have changed during the pandemic and how the slowness was generated as a team later on. So this study comes from a human-computer action perspective. And the previous studies that I mentioned about the slowness, they were coming from a more of a psychology or sociology point of view. So they were not discussing really technologies. Now, uh, I want to talk about the findings from now on and uh, how the wide range of experiences of a slowing down modify social interactions and technology use depending, up, depending upon people's circumstances, relationships, and attitudes is one of the most notable findings. The three design pathways that I'm going to talk about today, they emerge from our ethnographic methodology and they're coming to um, advocate for a more user-driven uh, design experience instead of 
Uh, starting off from a user, uh, a designer-led perspective, just like Elena mentioned yesterday, and I scaled it up to include a lot of more people. These considerations become especially important when we move on to the metaverse. Um, because the metaverse is going to be considered immersive and it's going to be all around us and we can't really just turn off our laptop and move away from our gadgets, it becomes even more important to think about what our users actually want. The first pathway is called the agency pathway. The, the, we found that older adults really enjoyed being more in control of their um, time and how they were able to curate their own activities and adjust their activities to develop their new routines, which they were perceiving as a slower. This points to designing technologies that supports this sense of control, whether the slowing down is happening because of external circumstances or it's just coming from their bodily changes. The agency pathway can be found in having greater power over one's schedule or enabling them to adjust their routines to the circumstances of their lives. Changes in the situation due to the pandemic cause older adults to reflect upon themselves and develop new hobbies and routines. For example, one of our participants mentioned the early stages of lockdown were marvelous because you got to do all the things you've been meaning to do for ages. It encouraged me to go for walks, to do knitting, which I haven't done for 20 or 30 years, and encouraged me to do some sewing, which has been hovering like a guilty conscience forever. Revisiting an old hobby that she hasn't revisited in a long, long time was something that she was able to do just because she had more time on her hands. A lot of her clubs were canceled, so she couldn't really go meet up with her friends, and she just turned her attention to the circumstances of her house. Surprisingly, this is coming from the second interview, and the state that she was residing in had already ended their lockdown, but she was still continuing with this new hobby that she picked up during the pandemic. Uh, I'd like to argue that the notion of reflection should be considered while we're designed as well in light of people's circumstances. Um, we observed two kinds of reflections happening, happening in our participants. The first type is called a reflection stream or circumstances. So during the lockdown, having to slow down made people reflect upon one type of technology they want moving forward. For example, some of our participants upgraded their phones or their data plans, they purchased new technology. So they were looking for new ways to stay connected to others. They were looking for a more efficient technology, but they were still finding some aspects of this communication very frustrating. So they were seeking better types of communication. The other type of reflection was organic reflection. This happens when you just have more time on your hand between your activities, so you get to think about what's happening in your life and you can make changes and adjust it to your own needs. Following the changes that happened because of the lockdown, a lot of activities got canceled and people did not really have a lot of social commitments outside of their houses. So they have more time to adjust the activities that they wanted to their own routine and follow their own pace. Moving on to the digital world, the current form of interaction is through avatars. So avatars are the digital embodiments of people, whether they're true to form or they're completely different. A lot of researchers are actually working on the physical aspects of the avatar and how we can communicate within our avatars. Um, but something to note is that in the, uh, in the metaverse, we're not going to necessarily communicate with humans we, there will be a lot of 
bots, there will be smart assistants, there will be non-player characters or NPCs, and designing for them is also going to be very important moving forward. We also should consider different scenarios of these interactions in the virtual world while we move forward. So for example, one study showed that when people had to um, jump from a height in the virtual world, they were performing much better when they had a robot as their avatar. Because once they had a human form, they were perceiving this act as very dangerous, so they didn't want to jump as high as their robots were. Another one found that when people were supposed to wave back to someone in the digital world, they would rather do it to a human avatar than it would a mannequin. They were perceiving that as very scary. So this, very, uh, this proves that we need to design different avatars and different interaction types for different contexts. Each person uh, will have many different sides and they might not want to show it to everybody <laughs> at the same time. This is something to consider once we reach the state of the metaverse, because as I mentioned, once we reach the state where we don't need our gadgets anymore to just enter the virtual world, this would be something to consider. What face of ourselves are we going to present? To sum it up, the agency pathway advocates for supporting graded power over one's personal schedule or activities, or enabling a person to adjust the situation to their own need. Current virtual worlds and technologies that are on the road to become a part of Metaverse are mainly designer-led. So we put on our VR goggles or we go ahead and talk to the holograms and they're all designed by the designers. <laughs> we need to consider more of what user wants and give them more power over their own schedule and their routines. The second pathway is called the preferred interaction pathway. A promising design direction for technology for a slower life is to understand the qualities of social interactions that people experience online. What do they prefer their devices should be, and how do they prefer this form of communication between themselves? Looking at the current forms of communication technologies, our participants experience insights about the nature of interactions that they want in their lives moving forward. In collaborative work, the distance has been a very long distance barrier between communication and collaboration. But this is also true when it comes to social technologies and relationships over distance. So for example, one of our participants mentioned, I found that some of the Zoom happy hour things were getting to me a bit. I felt like I'm one of the ones that's single, where there are couples and they would be sitting there with their wine. It made me feel a little bit different to them. It made me it was making me feel a little bit not necessarily good. Whereas I don't feel like that when I'm walking out with them. These sorts of screen-based interactions where people are uh, confined within tiny little rectangles and the emphasis is just on their visuals makes a lot of people self-conscious. And this uh, will lead to not having a very natural flow of conversation and it can also make some people, locker participants, feel othered. So these sorts of uh, observations are what calls for consideration of design of social technologies once we want to move fully virtual. Also, sometimes the activities that bonded people, or, uh, that bonded people such as transport or gardening clubs were just not replicable when we were moving online during the pandemic time. So for example, one of our participants mentioned all the guys, widows or bachelors, who live on their own. And I've just rung them up, not to discuss the world or not, just how it's going. A couple of them said, if you're not going to talk about transport, I'm not interested. 
They call it on topic and off topic. I didn't want to talk about off topic things. And that's been a bit of an opener. So as we can see, the activity that bonded that group of people was canceled when they moved online during the pandemic. But this particular participant thought that they were friends besides apart from that uh, mutual activity. So how can we design to support these sorts of activities moving online? The business model and the design of current social uh, platforms are to uh, appear to a lot of people and they want to gather as much users as they want around the same time. So this is something that our participants did not wish to continue in their slower pace of life. They wanted smaller social circles where they could bond over their mutual interests or they could just feel like themselves and feel like they're connecting more naturally. Also, one thing to note about once we move into the metaverse is the matter of privacy. So our participants were talking about their privacy concerns, especially when it came to smart assistants. So for example, one of them would lower his voice when he was talking about his Google Home Mini so the device wouldn't pick up on our conversation. Or another one was telling me that while she was outside gardening, her phone just told her a joke. So she enjoyed the joke, but she didn't know what initiated that conversation. This just shows us that these sorts of serendipitous uh, communications in the virtual world they can be enjoyable, but only when the timing is right. Once we reach that state of duality, privacy becomes even more essential. As I mentioned, we will not only be interacting with humans, and this might not be something that everybody enjoys. But if we, uh, we are going to talk about the format and the context of the communication, and when the timing is right, then that uh, communication will become enjoyable. Overall, the preferred interaction pathway alerts us to understand the design qualities of interaction that suits people needs, bearing in mind how accessible they want to be and what is the format that best matches with their life. Existing platforms have all sorts of joining and participation uh, scenarios, but this was something that our participants were not looking for when they had to move online for the communication during the pandemic years. Finally, the third principle is called the adapting to social circumstances and natural rhythms. Slowness is not only about the pace of life. You can be on the move, but and you should be moving really fast as well, but you still think about your life as very much slow because you're on your own clock. Another example would be cooking can be thought as very slow act in contrast to ordering takeout, which is the fast food. When you decide to cook, you're paying attention to the process and you're just feeling the material, you're going through that process one by one and you can perceive it as a slow. As a side effect of staying at home, people were turning their attention more to their surroundings of their home. So the disruption that happened outside of their houses was bringing attention to the routines that they were forming and how their lives were adjusting to these circumstances. So one of our participants expressed the importance of the natural rhythms of daylight, bedtime, and being on their own clock. For example, she said, my garden never looked as good because it's never had as much time devoted to it as at the moment. I'd be getting messages on my phone saying, where are you? We started the Zoom meeting. Then I'm going like, no, there's a little bit of light. I joined it at six o'clock instead of five. I can still do some gardening. Why would I come in and sit down and chat? Technology can disrupt the circadian rhythms, the body's physical, mental, and behavioral changes that follows a 24-hour cycle, and it responds to light and dark. 
Also, daily routines and rituals are very important to older adults, but they are very much personal, and it changes from one person to the next. So although our participants were turning to video conferencing technologies to replicate their own forms of identity and their routines and social practices, they were finding it to be very frustrating, and they did not want to be synchronously available at all times. By slowing down at home, they were shifting their priorities to more personal activities as well. For example, one of our participants changed his main hobby from traveling to sorting out his old photographs. And he mentioned, the main thing is I've realized that I feel like I'm 71 now. Even the active travelers I've known, once they've got to the late 70s, they sort of slowed down. My friend who is 78, he's much less interested in traveling than he was previously. So I'm sort of conscious about that. And we've already lost two years of traveling. I think some people might realize that age and health issues have sort of caught up with them in the two years without them realizing that things have changed. So it's really important to note that as we age, our capacities also change. And that will lead us to rhythms changing as well. This is not necessarily a bad thing, so let's move on from that bad mindset. It just means that we need to acknowledge the fact that our bodies will change and so will our schedules. This is also why the temporal design is calling for uh, considering social relations and the intertwined rhythms of people while we want to design for them. Building technology enables social connections around hobbies and rhythms associated with those hobbies will foster less direct and more sustainable communications over distance. This could reduce the feeling of social isolation and this is what a lot of people enjoy being in virtual reality games and just building upon that online community. The sense of community that comes from it is what enriches their um, experience, and that's what fosters their communication. Also, one thing to note is how to move away from constant interruptions that are caused by notifications to accommodate people's personal rhythms. Uh, we can certainly change the settings of our devices, and we can go ahead and find those settings um, as much frustrating as it is. But we argue that a design that does not need altering as we use it is something to consider once we are moving forward with our slower pace of lives. This becomes even more important once we get to a set of metaverse. Once we have one token of login, and again, we don't need our devices, and it's just going to be all around us, there is so much that we can control in our physical and digital space to show or hide. So we really need to be cautious about people's rhythms and their natural body clock once we want to de uh, design for them during the metaverse. So to sum it up, our ethnographic study of older people residing in Australia and experiencing lockdown revealed that they all lived life at a slower pace, embracing some aspects of a slowness and struggling with others. We derived three design pathways from their experiences of a slowness to inform technology design moving forward called the agency pathway, the preferred interaction pathway, and the adapting to social circumstances and natural rhythms. Thank you. Questions? Do we have questions for Yasmin? I'm looking. Hi, um, I wanted to ask if you see these uh, principles of design working uh, anywhere else besides the metaverse? 
Um, yeah, actually, um, my work was um, after the theme of slowness emerged, I was actually looking at slow technologies at, at, at first. And uh, I was working on IoT technologies as well once this became um, very um, obvious that this is how people want to slow, their, uh, slow down their lives and live their lives. Um, the metaverse space is just a natural progression from where I was starting, but I feel like this is something that we can take on to any aspect of design that we want. <clears throat> Sorry, thanks for your talk. I like this idea of designing for the natural rhythms because another way you could frame that is sort of designing with health and well-being in mind. Are there any other like health or well-being considerations you think we should think about when designing either for the digital world or the physical world? Um, good question. I think just giving the user the agency to change it as much as they want. So I understand we cannot have a design that will suit everybody's need. But just giving them the opportunity to change it as much as they want, this will result in changes that can happen as their body changes, even if their health is deteriorating or is getting better, they can just change the design of whatever it is, well, in particular social communication, to what they want. So for example, if I'm, um, for example, let's say I have a prolonged disease, and it's getting worse on some days and it's getting better on some days, I can just adjust my technology to not give you notifications during those worst days and just send me, like, send my loved ones an alert or something that I'm feeling better when I'm feeling better, actually. Any other questions? Just a moment. You've got two microphones converging on you. <laughs> I can use two. Um, so I'm going to ask a basic question. Now, when I hear metaverse, I think uh, meta, just the, the former Facebook and VR goggles that are too heavy for me. Um, so, but I liked your definition at the beginning on more of a two-way flow between mm. worlds with very little resistance. Yeah. Um, and as, as a gamer, I definitely know the digital world in, in, to some form. Um, what does it look like as a future for you, rather than talking about goggles, um, but if we're talking about a two-way, I guess, connection, yeah. um, rather than them being a hard split between the middle? Can you talk more about like what would that look like if you're there and it's not on that kind of weird goggle side and yeah. more on, oh, hey, we can kind of do things. Yeah, could you give some color to that maybe? Yeah, <laughs> personally, what I was struggling with was standing in long queues. I was thinking if I could just send my avatar or my virtual self to stand in a queue and then I was doing whatever I was and if they needed my human form, I'd go back <laughs> and stay there. That was something that I would have personally loved. But uh, as I mentioned, so the definition that I gave is the definition that I have for metaverse. Uh, it's currently up for debate in especially the HCI space and especially the HCI academic space. It's still unclear and uh, it's not something that is set in stone yet. But uh, as I mentioned, for me, it's something that I can have my physical life and I can have my virtual life. And these two will impact each other as much as they can. But um, it's not like, so for example, if I'm getting hurt in the virtual world, it will impact me in the physical world, let's say. Yeah. Uh, Yasmin, somebody asked if they could see the last slide, if you could go back a slide. Uh, I'm guessing there's a photo that they want to take maybe. Um, there it is for whoever asked for it and requested that. Um, all right, 
thank you so much. Thank Please you. join me in welcoming and thank you, Yasmin. Um, uh, 